Turn in your Bible to First and Second Timothy. First and Second Timothy. And we're going to conclude the series that we began now six weeks ago called Last Days Leadership. You see, when you look to First and Second Timothy, you'll realize this, that Paul, in the la- these are the last two letters he wrote. He wrote them to his son in the faith. He called him his true son in the faith. And his emphasis was this. He wanted Timothy, who is his successor, to, to be able to lead successfully in the middle of the last days. Everyone say the last days. You see, when church was born in Acts chapter 2, it began what the Scripture calls the last days. It's an undetermined, unknown amount of time where God's purposes are, are realized that, that the church begins to be the church and become the church that reaches the world for Jesus Christ. And so Paul's preparing his son in the faith, Timothy, to fulfill his kingdom purpose in the middle of the last days. Look in First Timothy chapter 4. He says this, verse 1, Now the Spirit expressly says, expressly says or explicitly says, that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared as with a hot iron, and so on and so forth. Everyone say, the last days. Now look over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let me show you this. He says again in the next letter, the last letter, the last few words of, that he'll ever communicate to his son in the faith, Timothy. But know this. That in the latter days, or in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves and lovers of money and boasters and proud and blasphemers and disobedient to parents and unthankful and unholy and unloving and unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control. Sounds like today, doesn't it? Tell your neighbor, tell them, just tell them, you know we're living in the last day. And we need people in these last days who not just survivors... But people who are thrivers, people who, who, who are blessed and prosper in the middle of the last days. Now we use John Maxwell, uh, a leadership guru, a, a Christian man, his definition of leadership, uh, one of them, I love it. He said leadership are those people who know the way, who show the way, and who go the way. Everyone say know the way, show the way, and go the way. You know, the world we live in today needs last days leaders who know the way and show the way and go the way, not just know the way. There's a lot of head knowledge in the world. We need people who not only know the way, but they can show the way by the way they live and that they really live that way. They go the way. And for the past six weeks, now today we're concluding, but the past uh, five weeks, we've, we've been hanging out in this thought. And the first four, we talked about knowing the way. Everyone say, know the way. Man, I'm telling you, we spent four weeks on this because if you don't know the way, how are you going to show the way? And how are you going to go the way if you don't know the way? And so when you look to Timothy in 1 Timothy, you'll find that that uh, Paul gets right to the meat of the matter pretty quick into this first letter. And he gets to chapter uh, or, or verse 15 and he said, This is a faithful saying and is worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom... I am chief. Now everyone say, uh, that's the way. You see, the whole reason for the last days is for the church to, to know the way, for the people to know the way, to come to Christ. 
And that's why we have the Great Commission, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, so Paul's wanting Timothy to get, get on the right way, and it is the way of the gospel. In fact, if you look on into that letter, here's an interesting thing. I've rehearsed this over and over in chapter 4. He says, exercise yourself for the purpose of godliness. How many of you know that, uh, he also says bodily exercise profits a little. Uh, some people get that a little exercise profits a lot. It doesn't. It, you gotta exercise a lot and it just profits a little. But then he says the ex, we are to be exercised in the area of godliness. Everyone say godliness. Now we think of that word and we think it just means right living. We, we need to be strong and, and spiritually fit when it comes to the way we live our life. And that's true. But when you look at that word, you'll discover that it means more than that. It means to be exercised in the gospel scheme. Everyone say the gospel scheme. Now, what did Paul say the way of the Lord was? He said, I, hey, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. That's the gospel. And then he gets in chapter 4. He says, Timothy, here's where you need to be strong. Here's where you need to be stout. You need to be stout in the gospel scheme. In fact, the 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 word for scheme means this. Some, some have a negative uh, uh, tone to it, but it's really, uh, it just means uh, a large-scale systematic plan. He's saying, church family, Timothy, leaders in the last days, we need, to be, we need to be focused on the way of the Lord and have a systematic or be a part of God's systematic strategic plan to win this world to Jesus Christ. Everyone say amen. And so that's the way. That's the way we all need to know. We got to know the way. We got to be able to share the gospel with people who were lost. And we spent four weeks on this. And we came up with the course of life for all disciples. Here it is. And let's read it together. The course of life for all disciples, followers of Christ. Everyone out loud with me. Read it out loud and proud. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And His plan is to use us in the process as a proclaimer of the way and a pattern for others to follow in the way. And that's the way that we've got to be uh, following after. That's the way we must be strong in. We need to be exercised in the area of the gospel and the plan of God for all humanity to be born again. And then we look at some other aspects. I'll mention them quickly. Last day's leaders need to know the way of good sound doctrine. Then last day's leaders need to know the way of spiritual warfare. How many of you know it's a battle out there? You got to go to the war room. Everybody say better get in the war room. It's a spiritual battle. And then we learned that last day's leaders know the way of sharing the way. They know how to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And sadly, over 50% of church-going folk have never shared Jesus in the last 12 months. You need to realize that. There's something wrong with, with the, the culture of America. We need to raise the bar. Everybody say raise the bar. And then last Sunday, we hit the, the second part of John Maxwell's definition about show the way. Last Sunday, we talked about the, the necessity of all of us to become a role model for others to follow. That's what Paul said in verse 16. He said, I, I'll be a model. God's put me here to be a role model for others to follow. And I want to tell you this. God has you here not just to survive, not just to make it, but to be an example and a role model for somebody who's lost to be able to follow after Christ as they follow in your footsteps and find themselves in the middle of the way of the Lord. Amen. And so today we're going to conclude in the next 30 minutes, hopefully, 
this six-week series, and I want to talk to you about the last day's leaders who go the way. They live it out, and they show the way, but they go the way. And if you'll turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, I want you to see this. He said, and he's coming to the close of his life. He says in verse 6, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Everyone say, finish the race. We look at Paul the Apostle, and I want to tell you, he's a great role model. He's an ex- excellent example. And in these chapters, in these two letters, there's some great insight we can learn from Paul as he talks to Timothy, his son in the faith. Some great things we can learn about the race that we have to run. How many of you know we're all on the race? We really are. And, and so, so we've got to run our race in a way that would be pleasing and honoring to God. First Corinthians 9 24, it says this, uh, Paul the apostle said, uh, he, he said, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Everyone say, run to win. You see, last day's leaders know that they're in a race. They're, 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 they're in a journey, if you will, to fulfill God's purpose for their life. And effective runners of the race, effective leaders in these last days, don't just lollygag in life. Everybody say, you can't be lollygagging. Some of you young, what does lolly, anybody never heard the word lollygagging? Oh, you never heard. Maybe I'm just, uh, how many have heard the word lollygagging? I feel better now. Thank you very much. You can't just be mediocre in the race and just kind of take up space. You got to run to win. Look at your neighbor and say, we got to run to win. And so we learn from Paul and Timothy and some of the insights he gave to him. There's some insight about running a race that would be running a race not just to take up space, not just to get to the end and not just to survive, but to thrive in this race called life. And so I want to share with you some things that I see from Paul the Apostle and from his life and how he ran his race and how he shared with his son in the faith, Timothy, that you've got to run the same kind of race. The first thing that I see that is so profound important. If we're going to run to win, if we're going to run our race, the last day's leaders, they run their race under the order of divine mandate. They run their race. Now catch this. Say, say this with me. Under the order of divine mandate. In other words, they're not just running in their own terms. They're not just doing what they want to do. They are under a divine mandate from God. And and you can see this clearly everywhere, but let me show you in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, the first thing you see about Timothy as he's preparing to come to the close of his life and, and pass the baton of leadership, if you will, off to his son in the faith, Timothy. He says this dramatic statement that we tend to move past so quickly. He said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. Everyone say, by the commandment of God. What did he say there? He said, I'm living my life under the governance and guidance and the command of God in my life. I'm not in charge of my life. 
I'm not the leader of my life. Let, let me tell you something. Last day's leaders are not really the leader. They are the, they are the followers of Christ who happen to lead others who desperately need Christ. And he sets the record straight right up front with his son in the faith, Timothy. He said, listen, I'm living my life under the mandate of, of divine commandment. I have a divine mandate. I have a, I have a Lord. I have a King. I have a authority in my life. And I come to you under the order of divine mandate. And we see this running through all of these letters, these two letters, but look over as he gets to the close. And I've read these before, but look in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And look what he says to his son in the faith concerning the purpose of God for his life. He said, I charge you, therefore, that means I command you. I command you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody say the Lord. Who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, so on and so forth. What did he say? Hey, listen, Timothy, I'm putting you under the same divine mandate. In fact, there's someone here that is more important than me, and his name is Jesus. He's watching, and he will judge us how we live our life. And he says, I'm charging you, I'm commanding you before the, the, the supreme authority, Lord God, to run your race under the order and the governance and the guidance of divine mandate. In fact, Paul said this and. If you went back to 1 Timothy chapter 1, he said, this is how I come to you. He said, but some have strayed. They've strayed off the, 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 the pathway. They're not running the race that God has for them. They've strayed concerning the faith. In fact, if you were to read Galatians, you'd find out that they strayed big time. And they strayed from the faith. And he called them foolish Galatians. Listen, it's foolish to get off the path that God has for our life. And then Galatians chapter 5, he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has set you free, and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Don't stray from the path of God's governance and guidance for your life. Run your race to win. Run under the governance. Let me ask you, who's the governor of your life? Who's really in charge here today? Think about that for a moment. Is Jesus Christ really in charge of your life? Is He in charge of the direction of your life? Is He in charge of the pocketbook of your life? Is He in charge of every aspect of your life? If you, hey, let me tell you something. The, the old saying is true. If Jesus is not Lord of all, He's really not Lord at all. How many of you know we can't have selective submission? You can't pick the commandments of God that you want to obey and those you don't, right? Listen, last day's leader, and let me, I just got to say it, we're living in the last days. And I want to tell you, in these last days, it would, it would behoove us to find ourselves under the order of divine mandate. Listen, if we're walking under the, the order of divine mandate, we will not mess up, we will not miss God's plan for our life, and we will be successful in this life. Somebody say amen. Last day's leaders... They go the way. They run their race under the order of divine mandate. Number two, they run their race under the influence of divine momentum. Everyone say divine momentum. 
Listen, you and I can't run this race without the divine momentum of God and, a, and power and authority in our life. And we've hammered these things for the last six weeks. But let me show you. Look in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. He tells Timothy how he's able to do what he does and, and, and fulfill the purpose of God for his life. He said this. He said... Verse 12, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy. Somebody say mercy. Somebody say, Lord, have mercy. Then he goes on to say, he said, because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And he said, and the grace of our Lord. Somebody say, thank God for his grace. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Listen, Paul was telling Timothy, he said, listen, I've got some momentum going here. I used to be a, 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 a rascal. How many of you here used to be a rascal? Any rascals, any former rascals in the house? Any, anybody here need the spirit of the rascal cast out of you or whatever? Listen, uh, we all have issues. We've all struggled. But listen, Paul's telling Timothy here, he said, listen, you got to run your race under the influence of the mercy and the grace and the faith and the love of God in your life. That's the only way you can move out of the, li the life you're living into a new life of fulfilling God's kingdom purpose for your life. Last day's leaders run their race under the influence of divine momentum in their life. And we have His mercy and grace and faith and love. And then if you go to 2 Timothy, most of you have probably heard this, you've quoted it before. He tells Timothy in chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, he said, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. What's he talking about? The momentum of the Spirit of God in his life. He said that's the way we've got to live our life. We can't live our life under the influence of the spirit of fear and intimidation and whatever else that we battle. He said we got to live our life under the influence of the spirit of God in our life and let the fresh anointing from God continue to uh, stir up the momentum of God in our life. Think about the first century church. Jesus told them, I told them I'm going to leave, but uh, I'm not going to leave you without a comforter and helper, helper. Go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. He said, wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. And they did. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them, what happened? Divine momentum hit the fan. This morning, listen carefully. I'm not going to last long here today. Some of you lost your momentum. Listen, you ever seen a... I'm sure you have. Trains going down the track with all the momentum. Woo, woo! Man, but... It, I lived in Red Oak, Texas. There wasn't a lot to do. So we like to watch the trains. Go right through town. And some of the more mischievous kind would harass the trains. I did not do that. My brother, used, they used to put their car up on the train track and drive from crossing to crossing. I mean, we were a bored bunch. One time my brother got on the track and here come the train. They thought a train had gone by. They thought now we're safe. But there was one right behind it. They were going, oh, Jesus, help me. And out in the middle of nowhere, they pushed their car off the tracks into the ditch. I don't know how they got it back on. That's, that's just the way. Hey, but listen, those things have momentum. But have you ever seen one trying to get started? 
after it's lost momentum, you think it's never going to get going. You ever got stuck waiting for one to get some momentum going? Some of you cursed it. I know you did. That's the way a lot of Christians are. They've, they've lost the momentum of the Spirit of God in their life. And listen, we need a fresh wind of the Spirit of God in our life to begin to undergird us. Hey, last day's leaders don't run under the influence of, of their own natural strength. They run under the influence of divine momentum. We need His Spirit and His power and His anointing and His grace and His mercy and His love moving through our life. And you get those things, whoo, you get those things moving in your life, you got some momentum. Come on, let's do this. I'll just see if I can get you to do it. I'm a little... Everybody do that. Woo, woo. Come on, there we go. All right, you did good. Last day's leaders, they run under the influence of divine mandate. They run under the influence of divine momentum. Uh, Number three, they run their race unencumbered by the earthly mindset. They don't let this world weigh them down. And we see this, oh, in fact, uh, what does Hebrews, before we get to Timothy, you know what the writer of Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1, he said, uh, Jesus, we run our race. It says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us and let us run our race with endurance. And so we know that the scripture teaches that we run our race, we should run our race, last day's leaders should run their race unencumbered by the earthly mindsets of this world. And let me tell you something, this world will weigh you down. The sins of this world will weigh you down. It's amazing to me how we think we can live the double standard. We can live the, the, the split personality, if you want, and live this way and expect God to reward us this way. Un- understand, last day's leaders don't play around with the issues of life. That's what happened in Galatia. The church in Galatia, they were weighted down with the world's standard. And that's why you find this uh, great instruction in Galatians 5 about the lusts of the flesh, walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh, and the, and the works of the flesh, and the works of the Spirit. Paul was saying, listen, you can't let these things weigh you down. Interesting insight. How many of you want some interesting insight? Paul the Apostle, when he told Timothy, he said, exercise yourself... For the purpose of godliness. The word exercise, it's, it's where we get the word gymnasium. I think it's gumnos, I think. I don't remember the Greek there. But you know the, anybody want to know the literal translation? Anybody? Food for thought. Interesting insight. It means this literally, to exercise naked. You've probably been to the gym and you'd wish, oh, you, ooh. He's taking that scripture pretty much literally. But he's not talking about being. Now, but now, listen, in the, in the, if you go back and look in the, in the beginnings of, of the Olympics in the early days of the Greeks and, or the Romans, and you know what? They pretty much did exactly that. Now, why did they do that? They just want to expose themselves to the world? No. They didn't want to be encumbered, entangled with anything that would hinder them. 
And that's what Paul is saying. He said, listen, when you exercise yourself for the purpose of godliness, do so in a way that you, where you don't get entangled and encumbered in this world. You cannot live the way I need you to live. You cannot be the way I need you to be. You cannot go the way I need you to go all tangled up in the affairs of this life. Got three of them, three of you. You just can't. Read Galatians. He said, hey, he said, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has set you free and don't be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. This world wants to tangle us all up and get us all tied up. Last day's leaders don't let that happen. They, they, they exercise their life. In fact, look in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Look what he says. Verse 6 of chapter 6, 1 Timothy. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. In other words, don't let this world get you all tangled up. Having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and have pierced themselves through with many a sorrow. But you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, uh, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith, so on and so forth. And then he says, lay hold on eternal life. Listen, what's he saying? You run your race unencumbered by the things of this life. Don't let this world drag you down. That's what last day's leaders do. They run their race unencumbered by the affairs of this life. And then number four, we see this, that, that last day's leaders run their race with a focused faith for the finish line. They realize that this world is not their home. Everyone say, this world is not my home. They realize that this, how many of you know planet earth is the shortest amount of time you'll ever live anywhere, right? Paul the apostle lived his life. He ran his race with a focused faith. What did he say in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7 and 8? He said, I'm already being poured out. My, my t departure is at hand. I've run my race. I've kept the faith. In other words, the life I live, listen now, listen carefully. Hey, let me fast forward a little bit. I'm going to give you a nugget from next week. The way we raise the bar in our life with our commitment to Christ, our commitment to His purposes, and our commitment to, to one another and our church family is not just by gritting our teeth and bearing up. Even though that may feel the way, it's by faith. Somebody say by faith. We're going to look at Abraham because he did it by faith. Abraham and Moses, they raised the bar in their life by faith. And we see here, Paul the apostle said, you got to run your race. Yes, it's an endurance race, but you better run it under the influence of a, of a confidence and a faith in God for the finish line, to finish well. Listen, it's not how you begin, it's how you finish. It's really true. Now, we be, how many of you begin, let's be honest, how many of you begin your life a little fouled up? I mean, you fouled up a few times before you got straightened out a little bit. Hey, listen, that's what Paul said. I was all fouled up, man. I was an insolent man. I was a mess. I was a rascal. But his mercy and grace came into my life. And the momentum of God and the call of God came upon me. And I trusted Jesus for my future. And I walk by faith now and not by sight. I run my race. I kept the faith. Listen. 
Last day's leaders are strong in the faith. They run their race with confidence in God, not in their own strength, but confidence in what He has done and what He will do and how He will tend to us and take care of us. And so we need to embrace that in our life and say, I'm running that too. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 is a response to the faith chapter. He said, let us run with endurance, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We run the way Jesus ran. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And trust God in every area of your life. Somebody say amen. Last day's leaders, finally, they run their race. Now catch this. For the glory of His name. They run their race for the glory of His name. Not for their own benefit. Not even for the benefit of others who might look and see how you run the race. Because when you look at Paul the Apostle, look at it. Go back to 1 Timothy uh, 1 where he, he lays the way of the Lord out. He said, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm chief. And he said, and I'm here by the mercy of God as a pattern for others to follow uh, who will believe on him for everlasting life. And verse 17, he just cuts right to the chase. Now to the King eternal immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, you got to get this. I wish we had a recording of, Tim, of Paul reading this to his son in the faith, Timothy. We kind of read it mundanely. We kind of read it, well, just give me the facts, ma'am. Just give me the facts. And, you know, Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners whom chief uh, and gosh, I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible to God who alone is wise be honor and glory forever and ever amen I wish I had a I wish I had a YouTube video of Paul looking his son in the faith Timothy he gets so fired up and inside when he began he realized man it's, I've been saved I've been delivered I I used to be an insolent man I used to be a mess I was a persecutor and, and, and a blasphemer but his mercy and grace came into my life and he said this is why I'm here and I want people to believe in Jesus because of the way they see Christ in my life oh my goodness to the king eternal immortal invisible to God who alone is wise to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Woo! <laughs> he said amen and that's the first chapter. Most people when you hear amen you think you're done. Let's move on now. He got fired up. He was living, listen. He was living his life for the glory of God. Who are you living for? He gets to the close of his life in 2 Timothy. Verse 6, he says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. Now, it describes his life. It's not about me. My life is an offering to God. I'm living for his honor and for the glory of his name. That's why I'm here. Not just to fulfill His purposes, but I'm here to bring honor and glory to God. 
And he closes out with another expression of great praise and thanksgiving to God. In chapter 4, verse 17 and 18, he said, But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Now, listen, this guy's a grateful man. And he's, and he'd been through all kinds of trouble. Read his life. It was not an easy life. He was beat up, left for dead. And he says, and the Lord, here comes this faith thing again, right to the end. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his what? Heavenly kingdom. You see, he was not living for his own self. And it says to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Who are you living for today? Listen, we're living in the last days. And God's looking for last day's leaders. Let me wrap this whole six weeks up for you just in a thought or two. These last days, God is looking for you and me to be last day's leaders who will know the way and show the way and go the way of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's who he's looking for. Who know the way of the Lord. Who know the gospel and walk in the way. And who not only know the way and walk in the way, but they show the way. They, their lives are a role model and example for others to follow. And they go the way. They, they run their race the way God would have them run their race for the glory of his name and for the expansion of God's kingdom. Throughout the earth. That's what the last days is all about. It's about the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's about more for heaven, less for hell. It's about coming to the close of your life and to be able to say, or hear God say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over much. And so as we close out this series, I boldly ask you to ask yourself, am I walking in the way of the Lord? Am I a role model for somebody to follow? Am I living my life where when I come to the close of my life, I will be able to bring Him glory and honor? with every way and in every way. Let's stand together. I want to pray a prayer over you. and Pray that God would supernaturally empower us today. Some of you need some divine momentum. In fact, today, if you've lost your momentum, today you can gain it back. It might seem like some effort. But the wind of the Spirit of God is blowing. The Spirit of God is moving. And He'll put us back in the race. Some of you here may feel like you've done something wrong to the point that you can never get back in the race. Listen, Paul was a rascal too. But he came to the close of his life being able to say, 
the Lord stood with you. Let's bow our heads before God. Let's don't miss our moment here to let God have his way in our life. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've got to be honest, I seem to have lost the momentum in my race. You may have gotten distracted. You may have gotten entangled by the affairs of this life or whatever the reason God wants to pour out upon you a fresh anointing in His life. In fact, today, I brought, as a symbol of prayer connection, I brought some anointing oil today that will represent the fresh oil. David said in, I think, Psalm 93, he said, You have anointed me with fresh oil. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've lost the momentum or I, I seem to be losing the momentum of, of God's, uh, of the race in my life and I need the wind of God. I need the momentum of God to be restored in my life. I need to get up, get back in the race. If that's you, lift your hand wherever you are and say, that's me. Come quickly to the altar. Come quickly to the altar. If you lifted your hand, come on. We're going to agree together. It's just now noon. I won't be here long, but let's pray together. And let's agree together. There's someone here that you've lost your connection to Christ at the place of prayer. And you just need the fire, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Jim, Trish, Beverly, come gather with me. There's some others that need to come. Father, today as we stand together, we agree together for the wind of the Holy Spirit. For the fresh anointing of God. And Lord, let this simple anointing moment be a representation of the anointing of the Spirit of God in our life. A fresh outpouring of the Spirit of God in my, our life. I see a man in, in somewhere in this room. I don't know who you are, but your, 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 your pride is kind of getting you here a little bit. And you're thinking, oh, I don't know about that. L listen, we just need a moment to get to connect together in faith. Don't miss your chance to just gather together. Lord, we agree together. We agree together for the fresh wind of the Spirit of God to pour out upon our lives. I want everyone in this room just to begin to say, Holy Spirit, show yourself mighty in my midst today. Show yourself mighty in our midst today. Show yourself mighty in our midst today. Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, flow all over us today with the fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. Let's begin to lift our voices in praise right now and release the presence of God and the power of God. Thank you, Lord. We release you to have your way in our life. And Lord, I pray for a fresh wind, not only for these that are here, but a fresh fire of God to come upon this entire church. Lord, this church would experience a fresh outpouring of the Spirit of God. And Lord, we'd begin to run our race, Lord, the way you would have us to run our race. And Lord, we'd begin to see people born again in our midst. People's lives change and transform for the glory of God. We thank you for it today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Everybody say hallelujah, so be it in my life. Let's give the Lord of glory a great big praise today. Thank you, Jesus.